This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are me, Rebecca Daly, and Anna Thompson. Before we get started, we have a few upcoming events that we are excited to share with you. You can always learn more about New Memphis's events over at our website at newmemphis.org slash events. We have a Celebrate What's Right that is coming up this afternoon. It will begin promptly with the panel first, so do not be late. We are so excited to see you at our Celebrate What's Right bridge over troubled waters, which will be moderated by Mayor-elect Paul Young. Also coming up on December 5th is the New Memphis Alumni Holiday Party. So alumni, be sure to check your inboxes for your link to register. Today is Giving Tuesday. We are taking a closer look at how philanthropy is changing in our city. With trends like VTO, or volunteer time off, and grassroots organizations' efforts like GoFundMes and giving kiosks in your place of worship, there is a whole lot of shaking going on, in the words of Jerry Lee Lewis. Memphis has long been listed as the most philanthropic city in America, but with technology changing and new generations of leaders at the helm of many organizations, we're diving deeper into how Memphians are spending their hard-earned dollars and cents. We're doing this by chatting with individuals involved in Memphis's first next-gen philanthropic initiative cohort. The NextGen Philanthropic Initiative was piloted by the Community Foundation for a Greater Memphis and had eight participants in its first cohort. Barbara and Pitt Hyde of the Hyde Family Foundation sponsored the program and provided mentorship. Joining us in the studio today are Caroline Kubler of Community Foundation of Greater Memphis and Dr. Shana McKinney, one of the first eight participants of the NextGen cohort. Caroline Kubler is the Managing Director of Philanthropic Services for the Community Foundation of Greater Memphis, whose mission is to strengthen the community through philanthropy by managing charitable funds, addressing the needs of the community, and encouraging the growth of charitable resources. In Caroline's role as a family philanthropy advisor, she fosters philanthropic engagement by working with individuals to be more intentional with their giving. Dr. Shana McKinney is the Senior Clinical Advisor for Cigna, a global health service company. Dr. McKinney was a participant of the first NextGen Philanthropic Initiative cohort and is also a New Memphis Fellows alum. She began her professional career in research and pharmaceutical drug development with Eli Lilly and Company. Throughout her career, she has held various executive positions leading strategic product development and implementation teams. Dr. McKinney is a native of Knoxville, Tennessee, and moved to Memphis in 2001, where she earned her Bachelor of Science in Chemistry from the University of Memphis. Go Tigers! She later matriculated to the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, earning her Doctor of Pharmacy. She maintains pharmacy licenses in both Indiana and Tennessee. Dr. McKinney remains active in professional and civic communities. Appointed by Governor Bill Lee, she currently serves on the Tennessee Board of Pharmacy, as well as the University of Tennessee Board of Trustees. She also serves on the National Association of Boards of Pharmacies Task Force on State Oversight of Drug Importation. 
Dr. McKinney has served on the Downtown Memphis Commission's Downtown Mobility Authority since 2016, where she has held several leadership positions and is the immediate past chair of the committee. She has previously served as the co-chair of the Porter Goodwill Club for the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Memphis. Dr. McKinney is married to David McKinney, also a New Memphis Fellows alum, and they have a son, Gathers. Let's bring our guests into the studio. Welcome, Shayna and Caroline. How are y'all this morning? Great. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Had a good holiday week, hopefully last week, and now we're as Caroline mentioned before we got on the podcast, into the busy season when it comes to giving and philanthropy. So hang on to your hats, ladies and gents. We are excited to get this going. We're so excited to chat with both of you about the ways in which philanthropy in Memphis is evolving. But first, we want to hear a little bit about the why behind each of your own decisions to kind of give back in Memphis, to kind of break the ice a little bit. So Caroline, would you like to go first? Sure. I um, I had lived in Memphis for several years and felt that I didn't know Memphis the way that I wanted to as a, a resident and a just a participant in all things here. So um, started at the Community Foundation about seven years ago and over time, have been building philanthropic education programs, which also um, is an education to Memphis. They go very much hand in hand. Absolutely. So, so Caroline, you mentioned you work with the Community Foundation. What is a Community Foundation? Is that a model of giving that's unique to Memphis? Not at all. There are about 750 community foundations across the country. And it's really a, um, there are, they're complex in, in a great way. Uh, one description is um, a co-op of several mini foundations. Um, so that's really the side of the house for us that's almost like a charitable bank. Uh, we also have the other side of the house, which is our community impact work. So we have discretionary grant making and um, that's the other aspect that makes community foundations unique, that it's not just a bank. We also engage committees um, and do our own grant making. Great. Shana, um, how did you kind of get involved with your own decisions to give back in Memphis? Absolutely. Well, just taking a step back, I'm not a native Memphian. My husband is, but I've adopted Memphis as a second home. Um, and now that I'm a wife and a mother, um, the success of our city is that much more important um, for both David and I, also a new Memphis graduate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, we find that um, our passions are around education, the arts, and family planning. And so we were seeking to find ways that we could be more poignant and intentional about our gift giving. And the Community Foundation was and continues to be um, a great opportunity for us to learn about deserving organizations, learn more about some that we already know about a good bit, um, but also learn about a lot of organizations that maybe we weren't exposed to um, pretty commonly in the community. Um, so it's also a good opportunity for us to be an example to our child, um, and we hope that he will take up um, this same passion for philanthropy as he grows up. Absolutely. I feel like that's like the big staple now in parenting. It's like th they may not do as you say, but they will do as you do. Absolutely. And they're always watching. They are, for sure. So thank you for the ways that you are showing up to support our community. There are 
a lot of reasons to give in Memphis, as you mentioned. You were able to to rattle off quite a few areas of need. And I, I'd love to understand a little bit more about why Memphis is such a philanthropic community. Is that based on a great level of need? We see a couple different opportunities. Yes, to your point, I think wherever you go in Memphis, this is um part it's it's just there. The need is there and you do see it. So I think that uh, creates part of that culture. I think we also have strong traditions in both social and faith-based giving. Uh, so those all play into that. Am I correct that Memphis is one of, if not the most philanthropic cities in the country? We are, per the last report done, we are the most generous city in the country. I feel like that's a cons- pretty consistent thing, too. So that's really exciting to kind of hang our hat on that year after year. Absolutely. I, I would just piggyback in the sense of I think that it goes to our heart and Memphis is a city we talk about it being a city with soul and I think demonstrating year over year how giving we are through philanthropic efforts um, is just a shining example of the soul of our city. So Shana, you did mention that you support lots of different areas um, that you're interested in and passionate about how has the Community Foundation helped support that kind of the the sharing the love? Absolutely. Um, so the Community Foundation is a wonderful and established partner in philanthropic giving. Um, that's why David and I were so eager to join um, and start a, a donor advised fund. Um, but we weren't really familiar with what a donor advised fund until I went through the next gen philanthropic initiative this past year. Um, this program in particular, and simply put is a unique program that supports and cultivates um, philanthropy through a lens that connects um, to new generations or emerging generations of givers. The great part about Memphis is that we have long standing individuals, families, organizations that give, but it's also important that we start to train up and coming givers. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people want to support our community in lots of different ways. They just don't know how. And that's exactly what the Next Gen Philanthropic Initiative seeks to do. And so um, just a little bit about that program, it's focused coursework and discussions that gives um, directly and focuses on helping you determine what your philanthropic passions are. Um, It uh, culminates in an opportunity to direct individual funds um, to a Memphis community partner that aligns with your passions that you've identified. And so going into it, I can speak personally I thought I was clear on where my passions were. Family planning was always a part of it. But what I didn't uh, appreciate until kind of going through all the various exercises is how much the arts um, was so important to both David and I and how we want to make sure that um, the arts in lots of different ways um, are a part of our giving strategy. And that's the the aha moment for us that we needed to be more strategic in how we give and where we give and the next gen philanthropic program allowed us to do that um, in a way that we didn't really imagine that would be able to do so succinctly in such a short period of time i have a couple of clarifying questions so for anybody who listening like myself also doesn't know what a donor advised fund is can you help uh, help us understand just even briefly what that is. Sure. Well, Caroline is most certainly the expert. <laughs> okay, so Caroline, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, either way, we could certainly um, 
answer that together, but it, it's um, a fund. So the Community Foundation is a 501c3. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity for people to put their money intended for giving in a charitable fund um, that uh, just because we're a 501c3, there are tax advantages to that. Okay, And then that money can be invested and grow over time. So people's giving can do more good because um, their money grows. Okay, interesting. So in that way, it was just like you were describing the community foundation as like kind of the bank part of Correct. it. Yes, Correct. Like kind of stocking it up in there to make sure that it can have interest over time kind of. Right. And I think too, what um, is a wonderful component of these funds is that the the donors still, they're called donor advised, the donor still advises the community foundation on where they'd like grants to go. So I think some people aren't sure, does the community foundation make some decisions? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. And the advised part of that is key, as Shana mentioned, mm-hmm. we work with donors to identify organizations that are a great fit for them and they can support those organizations through their fund. Exactly. I would just piggyback and just kind of take it a step further as a new donor advised fund as our family. There's some exciting portions about it when you're setting it up. Number one, you get to name it. You get to put it in any name that you choose. It's not already available. Um, So as our family, we named ours the McKinney Family Foundation, and we we find a lot of pride in that. And so whomever um, picks us up when we're long and gone, um, it'll still have our name in perpetuity on that donor-advised fund. You get to choose the amount that you want to put in as large or as small as you'd like to do. The Give365 platform also provides the donors an opportunity to choose where those funds are going to go. But as you choose, there's information about every single nonprofit that's available within the system um, to get a little bit of background about them to make sure they align with your strategic pillars, right? So when I go and David and I choose where we want our funds to go for any given year, we can look and we can search by education or families or children or arts, and we can look at all of the organizations in Memphis that are currently in the database. But we're not limited by that either. So there's an opportunity if there's an organization that is a charitable organization, whether they're up and coming, whether they are established and they maybe they're not yet in the system, they can also be considered to be a part of it. And you can advise your funds um, to, to be directed to that organization as well. And then um, you can make these allocations at any amount that makes sense for you. You can put it in anyone's name through your foundation. It just goes, the flexibility, the opportunity is truly um, pretty limitless. And especially as a new foundation, as a family, um, it kind of gives us a framework with which to work within without having to start our own board and do kind of the bigger things that you would expect from a traditional foundation. And you mentioned Give 365 when you were discussing this. So Give 365 is an initiative or a platform of community foundation. So how does that work with the Next Gen Philanthropic Initiative? And how is the Next Gen, like where did that need bubble up from? How is it different? Sure. Oh, absolutely. So um, Give 365 is what's called a giving circle. So it's a way for people to give collectively. It's a perfect opportunity um, for people new to the work of, let's see, I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing here. 
let me do this with a group of people. So they choose or a, a theme is chosen every year and then um, nonprofits that fit that theme um, seek grant support from this giving circle. So the collective group reviews those grants and then um, makes grants to the organization. So it's a wonderful learning opportunity for participants to a better understand what nonprofits are doing great work in Memphis, but also how does grant making work? How, what is this whole thing of grant making? So there are applications, um, people can review them. So to your question, Give 365, I think is a very, it's a wonderful way to just start to get involved, kind of put your toe in and understand what's happening. Next Gen, I would say is a much deeper engagement because that group is it's a group you're not individually making decisions figuring out what your passions are and so it's a natural next step um, to as Shana said really once you start thinking about you or your family um, what you care about I think the other thing that's important about this program again tailored much more toward individual or families um, than a group Um, but also what we're intending to do with this program is move people from just what we would say social giving um, maybe hey um, would you buy a table at my event I buy a table at yours uh, to much more intentional or strategic giving what we have found is that the more engaged you are and how the more clear you are on what your plan is, the longer you stay in philanthropy. We all need Memphians to stay in and enjoy philanthropy. So our goal with this program, for example, follows what's called the philanthropic learning curve, where you start by being a donor. Um, then you decide to get organized and get structured. Shana mentioned this too. Um, You become a learner, so you get involved in philanthropic education programs. Because you're clear on what you care about and where you want to get involved, then you become issue and Mm results-oriented. Then you start to leverage your giving. And as an example, with the NextGen program, maybe there are people that are in this program that both identify they care about this cause this issue and specifically this organization and want to do something together that also it can be very rewarding in terms of experience so once um, that philanthropy is leveraged everyone uh, is engaged philanthropy can become one of the most rewarding things you do in your life because all these pieces have led toward strategic or intentional giving I love that there's so much data and, and you know, a real and tangible pattern of how we can continue to keep people engaged with philanthropy. But I'm curious about kind of the current giving climate, giving capacity changes over time, community needs change over time. Why is innovation so important in, in the realm of philanthropy? You know, I think that... Um, what we would say is there certainly there always can be innovation but if people identify and know who they are and what they care about they're more open and interested 
in learning. And I think that's what we're really trying to encourage or create is this environment where, like so many things, the more you know, the more confident you are, the more plugged in you are. That, for example, if you've gone through an education program and someone mentions impact investing, you may not have ha- known what that was prior to a program like this. And that is a new one of the more innovative ways to give. And now that you know that term, you might go and look into more what is impact investing and how do I do this as an example. I love that there's so much flexibility and adaptability that you're not trying to force a square peg into a round hole. There's no one right way to give, but there are ways that make sense for each individual and each organization. Yeah. If if y'all, I'd love to share, um, and Shana experienced this too, and jump in because I'd love your thoughts on it. Um, There's also, we do exercises in addition to just around values, helping people, and this ties to your question, helping people identify how they should give or the the type of giving that makes the most sense for them. So um, there was an essay written uh, called um, Toward a Fourth Philanthropic Response. And out of that, we created what's called the Four Traditions of American Giving. So this is all, to your point, very interesting in terms of watching how philanthropy has changed over time. So what started um, in this country, what started as giving is relief, remains a tradition that's still important, obviously, in Memphis. Uh, But we also know that tradition or giving as relief doesn't always solve the problem. So out of that tradition came giving as improvement. So giving as improvement is um, scholarships, education, you know, moving people out of situations as you all might understand, that doesn't always include everyone. So that's the the piece that's the struggle there. So then the tradition that followed giving as improvement is giving as social reform. So now let's look at changing systems. What does that look like? How do I get involved in changing systems? Um, according to this essay and this um, thinking, Giving is civic engagement is the most recent tradition, which is giving as a group or a giving circle. So learning in this way. And what we did, and I hope Shane will share (laughs) with our group, is encourage everybody to think, what is my, what's my style? Where, Where do I fit most in this way to not just what I care about, but am I really passionate about relief? Am I really passionate about social reform? And are the organizations that I'm thinking about doing that work? Right. And what I would say is that was one of the most challenging and eye-opening exercises because what Caroline is describing is a continuum of giving and how we can be on any place in that kind of trend line depending on our passions and our values any given moment. And just to give you a sneak peek or kind of a look behind the covers is we were given Reese's Cups and you were given enough to not put an equivalent amount in any given bucket. So it makes it really challenging to say, honestly, based upon my values, where am I on this continuum? And where do I wait how I want to give and where I want to give at this point in my life? And the great part of this exercise is that 
we know it changes and that it's not static and that's okay. And one thing that came out in my exercise when I actually looked at where I wanted to put my Reese cups, I put it more in the relief, which I was surprised about. I thought I would be more on the civic engagement kind of end of the continuum. I put it in relief because we wanted to, as I thought about my values and we go through these cards that kind of resonate with you more than another. And it's just kind of a quick and dirty of what what do you see on these cards that resonates with you or where you are on this trend line? It was really about a, an immediate need. Mm. And it helped me to crystallize where I would want my resources through the next gen program to be allocated for in this given moment. And I've continued, quite frankly, to be focused on relief, which continues to surprise me. Um, But I also see a great outcome and a great value in a moment for these relief funds. That was, uh, I was curious too, because my question was going to be, well, what if I'm equally distributed? Can't be equal. (laughs) And and that's, I think that's the point. The other thing I think that's key to this is there's no wrong answer. I think that it's... There's no right bucket to be in. No. And I think because we're encouraging for people to tie to what they value, that's the right answer is get involved, right? Mm -hmm. Choose something and it can change. Yes. And you may meet people along the way that you enjoy one path and then something else may change. But um, if you're tied to what you value and are clear on these traditions and which one resonates with you... Again, it goes back to you stay engaged. You you enjoy the work and want to be here. I think, honestly, just hearing both of you talk about this, it feels like maybe one of the barriers to giving is that people try to remain equal in all of these aspects. And so we spend too much time focusing on remaining balanced or equal instead of just being like, hey, this is where I'm at. These are where my values are. These th- This is where my funds should naturally follow. Instead of, I think we're all trying to be so like, across the board equal with everything that we get, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees kind of a thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. You've mentioned um, so many different aspects of philanthropy and of giving, but something we've talked about previously is that whether you're volunteering time, money, you know, your talents um, or all of the above, um, something that I found in my research was that younger donors are drawn to more social causes that inspire and invite full engagement into integrate it into all aspects of their life. So how have you seen that kind of become a reality, Caroline? And I'm curious what, again, has illuminated for you, Shana, in sure. going through all of this. You are a New Memphis Fellow and a Next Gen Philanthropic Initiative graduate, alum, I don't know the terminology y'all use, but um, so you, you're sure. <laughs> deep in the leadership. And so I'm curious what has kind of bubbled to the top about right. all of those different aspects for you, too. Right. So one that we talk about a lot in the program is generational giving. And as you heard about um, Memphis with our longstanding history of big, bold giving in our community, um, some of our grand challenges have remained the same regardless, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know these things, we could probably all rattle them off pretty easy, easily, education, crime, and poverty, right? Those are our big challenges. And what we've seen in um, more seasoned generations of um, philanthropic givers is you kind of see these kind of steadfast organizations where those funds are being um, allocated towards. And while younger generations, I think, naturally 
see a value in those um, traditional longstanding organizations where money could go, um, what the next gen and I think we're demonstrating is um, that younger donors are looking for opportunities um, to address to identify and address greater awareness utilizing data in their giving. Mm-hmm. And they're very much interest we're very much interested in how our the outcomes of our actual giving. And we're not as tied to just the monetary um, instrument by which philanthropic philanthropic giving tends to be focused on, right? Mm-hmm. We are looking for ways to use our hands and our hearts our treasures, and also our connectedness to see the needle move in our community. So while our grand challenges like haven't changed at all and very little, um, how we go about addressing them and how we're utilizing data to really move that needle, I think is what is different in a younger generation. Yeah, absolutely. And I would add, I think that um, what that looked like to us is impact, right? Mm-hmm. That the... Um, rising generations it's almost in looking at these traditions you can follow some of this too um earlier generations relief and just giving was important Mm -hmm. just that was what was really encouraged and talked about and as time has gone on this um becoming more sophisticated and looking for impact looking for results um really fits into these traditions since the giving tradition what barriers do new donors or people who are curious about giving, what do you find is a, a stopgap for them and how is NextGen addressing that? Sure. So I, from my perspective, and I'd love Shana's too, it, one is sometimes people aren't sure where to go. So it's that um, just stop. Right. So then nothing happens because they're not quite sure. Analysis paralysis. Yes. Yeah. And we know, for example, um, that um, advisors, meaning financial advisors, CPAs, that group, estate attorneys, um, there's data that shows that they they think that individuals are going to bring up philanthropy and individuals think their advisor might bring up philanthropy so guess what happens no it, one brings nobody no talks one brings about up philanthropy <laughs> so i would say a barrier to us is or knocking down the barrier um is creating these situations where individuals for example with the next gen program feel confident feel empowered are curious to ask questions and to say um how do I do this? Could you help me figure this out? Look for help. Talk to people who are maybe have, are more seasoned in the space and can help. I also think on that an analysis paralysis piece, just doing something, getting out and starting to volunteer, looking to an organization that maybe you want to know more about, maybe board service makes sense. Um, anything where you're just learning um, and and kind of taking in what the organization does is helpful. And before we got on the microphones, you mentioned, um, and we've said it a few times or referenced it a few times, that philanthropy isn't just your dollars. You mentioned time, talent, treasure, and ties. Ties. I've never heard that fourth one. Could you tell us a little more about that? Sure. Um, And um, Shana might be able to add, we also do an exercise for that too. So, To your point, what's talked about a lot is the time, talent, treasure piece. 
specifically in Memphis, but also everywhere, the ties or the connections that you have and your willingness to use those to help other people is as valuable as everything else. We all know and talk about how interconnected Memphis is. (laughs) So if there is any town where ties have value, it's here. So uh, we also did an exercise, and I'll have Shana share, on helping our group identify um, where they're spending their time, talent, treasure, and ties, and what they might do differently moving forward. Absolutely. That piece about the ties is so incredible. I think that most Memphians would say we're a little big town, and it doesn't take a lot of people to get to anybody that you want to connect with in Memphis. And your ties are a resource as important and as valuable as your treasure, your time, and any other resource you have. And I think that that can get lost and forgotten. But also your ties should be a resource that is also conserved as a commodity as well that aligns with your values and your traditions. And so going back to the question about how is the next-gen philanthropic initiative kind of removing those barriers to philanthropy. And for me, it's around the crystallization of an actionable philanthropic vision that aligns with your values, traditions, and areas of interest. Um, This program also uniquely provides an ability to connect with emerging philanthropists. How often do you get to say you get to do that um, and do it in a way that is disarming? We can all and we can all come from different walks of life and learn from one another and ask questions that you may not be able to do naturally. Um, And we also get the benefit of leveraging the Community Foundation as this incredible resource, this long-standing community partner um, to support whatever your individual or family's philanthropic strategy may be. When I walked into the NextGen program, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I got the benefit of leaving it with a plan, a, a plan that I'm able to action upon every single day. David and I talk on a weekly basis about how we want to allocate funds. And we always go back to the strategies that the NextGen program helped us to align towards. Um, And so I'm truly grateful for that um, because I think that was a big piece for us. We wanted to give, we were giving, but not in an organized fashion, not in a way that we could demonstrate to our a state attorney or, you know, advisor to say, how did you give this year? Well, here are the receipts, but it's kind of a hodgepodge, right? Um, Now we can truly point to and and be thoughtful. Again, that intentionality, I think, is the greatest value and, and the greatest barrier that has been removed from our desire to give and continued giving. The only other thing I'd add to that, thank you, Shana, is um, kind of to that intentionality piece, one of the exercises that we do in this initiative is having everybody write down how they're spending their time, talent, treasure ties, and then setting that piece, that piece of paper aside, taking a new one out and say if they were to plan how they would spend their time, talent, treasure, and ties, how would that look different than maybe what is already full, but not full in the categories that are uh, meaningful to them. I think that 
oftentimes with philanthropy, we're um, reacting to, and, and this is okay. You're reacting to people asking for help, and that's wonderful. But what we encourage is for people almost in, in any of these categories to have almost a budgeted or set aside amount that, yes, you are going to support when someone asks you, but you're not going to lose sight of your plan and where you're going and how you feel like you've really engaged in this community. What advice would you give either of you to someone who feels a little bit overwhelmed by thinking about creating a strategy for giving if maybe somebody feels like, oh, I'm not at that level yet. Like, I don't really have enough that I'm setting aside, so I don't really need a strategy just yet. What I would say is um, understanding your values and what you care about. Anyone can do that. Anyone can. We have several tools for it. There are plenty of books and resources online. Um, once you know what you care about and where you want to go, it's it, from our perspective, it's not about the amount. It's about the engagement. It's about getting involved. So you are making this incredible impact if you're passionate about what you're giving and you know what you care about. There is no... Um, like I said earlier, there's no right or wrong. There's no right amount or wrong amount. There's this what drives you and you're using it. And I would say as someone who has been in analysis paralysis from time to time about giving, um, if you're at a moment where you're overwhelmed, I would say to pause and get honest about what matters most to you. And I would then say to you that, Philanthropy does not have a price tag on it. It simply has a willingness. It truly is wherever you choose to put your time, talent, treasure, and ties, right? And another piece of advice I would give to a new emerging philanthropist, as I'm attempting to be, <laughs> is um, to be grateful for something. Because gratitude leads to generosity. And when you can find something that you're grateful about, you can find a way to engage so that you can give back to that effort. Um, so don't be overwhelmed by a dollar. Be excited about the opportunity to be generous in whatever way makes sense for you at any different level. Because the 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 big thing is starting, like Caroline said, just Start somewhere because we need you. <laughs> we all need each other um, because our seasoned philanthropists, you know, they're they may not be here forever. And it is upon all of us to either pick up where they have left off or to start our own paths. And that starts with each one of us. So just pausing, being grateful and getting in there. How would you say that generosity powers our city forward? Um, I think that the good news in what we see every day is um, people who are interested, um, believe in this city, and want to make a difference. At the Community for Foundation, for example, 86% um, of our grants out from those funds stay in Memphis. They want to make Memphis better, and, and that's not unique to the Community Foundation. That is a Memphis tradition. That's a Memphis culture. That's a, um, 
a belief. I've another community foundation friend had said, I see in Memphis that you believe things will happen and they happen. So I think that there's a, a culture here of, yes, we have our challenges, but we also have this optimism that we can make it better. For anyone who is ready to take that first step into to giving, whether that is just scratching a curiosity itch, um, where can they learn more? So our website, cfgm.org, is always a great place to start. Several resources. Um, and if anyone is specifically interested in this program or some of our philanthropic education, they can certainly email me. Who would be an ideal candidate? Who would you say, Shana or Caroline, either way? I would say someone who is looking to make a deliberate and intentional step forward in their gift giving. I would say it's an individual or a family who is, to your point, Rebecca, curious about ways that they can support Memphis in a larger way, but also as someone who may have their own family foundation that's established, but they may be taking the reins of leadership in that work. Um, the great part about the Next Gen Philanthropic Initiative is that there are there is room for anyone who is seeking to give at any level. It is not reserved for um, the uber elite or wealthy um, or the individual who is um, highly experienced in this work. Um, as I mentioned about myself, um, David and I, we've been giving for a long time, but not in an organized fashion. So if you're looking to get organized and be intentional and do more, you're an ideal candidate. <laughs> Email Caroline today <laughs> um, because we need you. And, and the great part is that your cohort will be connected to our cohort and the next one and on and on and on. And so we, you know, become our own giving circle. We become our own, you know, emerging philanthropic think tank of ways that we can continue to support the community that we love so much. Can you share a little bit about how the Next Gen Philanthropic Initiative came to be? So it was a wonderful partnership with the Hyde Foundation in that um, the participants, in lieu of a tuition fee, gave a, as Shana mentioned earlier, um, a strategically chosen grant for $2,500, which was then matched by the Hyde Foundation. So wow. yeah. the participants um, identified and then were able to give $5,000 grants to local organizations. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I would just like to add on as far as what, what did we choose, right? We talked about our our values and our traditions. And I eventually, with David's help, came to the decision to give to Sweet Cheeks Diaper Ministry. Um, I wasn't familiar with this organization before um, going in through this program, but what I found compelling, and we get to do site visits um, through the Next Gen program to determine, based upon these values, what makes the most sense. And so you you narrow it down to various organizations. I so I selected Sweet Cheeks surprisingly because it was a immediate relief needs based organization. They give out diapers 
formula, um, as well as other baby-related products. It could be um, car seats. It could be anything that you might need as a new family. What really drove the point home for me was during COVID and during times of rebound, some things are never going to change. Babies are always going to need diapers and wipes, and there are not always avenues for individuals to access them and talk about an expense. I don't care if you're buying the brand name or the generic. Diapers, wipes, and formula are expensive. And when parents are choosing to either keep their lights on or buy diapers, that is where it for David and I, it just touched a nerve for us. We were very fortunate that that was not a need for us, but we can appreciate that it is a real need for others in our communities. And this organization gives out thousands, and I'm talking 10,000 diapers at every single distribution. And every single time they have lines wrapped around the building. And it's an also an organization that your while your treasure is important, your time is mm-hmm. important. If you have a willing heart to help them package and give out the diapers during their donation times or run their 5K to help raise money and awareness, they are a well-deserving organization and it started out of a mother who she and her husband um, had a honeymoon baby And she came back and lost her job. And when it was time for the baby to come, the need for these basic resources were just simply not there. And she said, when I get back on my feet, I'm going to do something to help other families. And she's been keeping it going um, and has actually expanded into period 901. I was about to say, yes, I thought that they did period products as well, too. They do. And when... Um, young women are unable to go to school mm-hmm. because they simply do not have sanitary products. If you talk about the impact of education on our community, that should never be a barrier. So well-deserving relief-based um, organization, but a truly impactful organization for our local community. We will absolutely link Sweet Cheeks and Period 901 in the show notes. Um, We've had the Diaper Diva on this (laughs) podcast before to talk about really exciting things, and she she does amazing work. Absolutely. I would agree that it is a more than worthy um, investment in our community. Thank you both so much for taking time to join us on this Giving Tuesday and share a little bit more about the ways that philanthropy um, and giving is changing through generations, but also the way that kind of, I feel like the through line is that Memphis continues to have heart. And no matter if you have an organized strategy to your giving or you just want to give and you just, something that you love that you don't want to see go away, donate there. Jump in. (laughs) Yes, just jump in. So, um Memphis is glad to have both of you. We were glad to have both of you today. And I know that moving forward, it will just have compounded interest. See what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Well done. Thank you. Independent Bank is celebrating 25 years of sharing your stories, building your dreams, and serving you heroically. Find out how iBank can help you achieve your financial dreams at i-bankonline.com. Member FDIC.